0: If you don't have a Bible with you, we have ushers in the aisles, and they have a Bible that they would be happy to hand to you. If you choose to have one of those Bibles, we'll be reading from page 922, because our scripture today is Philippians, the third chapter, verses 1 through 14. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to understand what a privilege it is to have it and help us to be better at reading it and studying it. And we thank you for Pastor Mike and his gift of coming and explaining it to us. May we have open hearts and open minds that we will receive the exact message you have for each of us through your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. You can have a seat. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, If you're new here today, if you've never been, if it's your first time, uh, my name is Mike Lee, and I get to be the pastor here at Mission Valley Church. Uh, Glad to meet you. If we haven't met, if we've never shook hands, connected, uh, I'd love to do that. And so a couple of ways that you and I can meet. uh, The first is this. After service, I'm going to be standing out in the courtyard. Love to shake your hands, fist bump, do all that stuff, uh, whatever you're into. Uh, The other way that we can meet is if you'll just fill out one of those connect cards. Uh, Brittany talked about it at the beginning of service, and she'll remind you again at the end. Fill one of those out and I'll get a hold of you. And then, as always, uh, feel free to send me a text, 602-763-3331. If you didn't catch that, ask somebody around you. Uh, we give it out here pretty much every week. Well, I'm excited today. This is a good day. Uh, things that get me excited when I come to church, anytime there's new people, uh, anytime you invite your friends, that gets me excited. If somebody ever comes here that is a church planner, that gets me extra excited. That gets me really excited. There's like a church planner here. And so we have the Amoses here all the way in from Michigan. Uh, this is so good. And then if I ever like got to, yeah. If I ever, like, got to do ministry with somebody, like, so many years ago, and and our first impression of each other is that we didn't like each other at all, and then we became good friends, and then God separated us, and then brought us back, if any of that, then I'm really excited. So there's all kinds of good reasons. If you're wondering, is this the kind of place where we're going to bring the church planners up here and embarrass them and ask questions about all the things that are going on, yes, but not until the end. We're going to do it at the end, because I want the kids to hear about it, because I don't know that there's many more important things than the work that's happening when you make a new church where there didn't used to be a church. Thomas is already bragging on it, so I'll save it for the end about how good it's going, so good. we're excited. Anyways, before we get to any of that, what we're really here for is to, to get into God's word, to get into God's word and be reminded that we have reason to be joyful in all things. We're walking through this sermon series, Philippians Joy in all things, and we're being reminded every week that we can have happiness in some things. We can have, uh, we can have happiness in some things, but if we want to have joy in all things, well that's going to require Jesus. And so that's what we're looking at today we're looking at the this this letter this letter from Paul to the church at Philippi joy in all things so uh, sometimes, this has nothing to do with what I just said, but sometimes, every now and again, uh, I will take Penny to a play. My, my wife, Penny, uh, we go on dates every week. We think it's important. You should, If you're married in here and you're not dating once a week, you should. If you're not, you need to. Uh, if you're dating in here and you're not married yet, keep dating. But if you are married, uh, you should date your spouse once a week. And so we do that. And usually those dates are pretty low key. But every now and again, I like to do something a little extra nice for her, and I'll take her to a play. I'll take her to like a show. And the reason I like these things is because I I have probably a little bit of ADD. I get a little bit of attention deficit. And the thing that I like about going to see a play or a musical is you get these little playbills. And you can follow along. And you know how much longer you have to sit there right? Like, you know, like, how many more songs do I have to sit through? Like, how many more, uh, like, how long do I have to sit there? They, they put them all together. They have, they have, like, acts, and I'm like, act one, act two, act three, and four, and you'll know, like, oh, I'm at act two. Like, this is intermission time, and if I, if I'm ready, as soon as this song jumps over, I can jump up and go to the bathroom and get food before all these other people get in line. I like that. It's like a playbook, and I, and I like that. So, uh, it's exciting, and we've seen all kinds of plays. Uh, we went and saw Shrek. Uh, if you've never seen this, um, it's a good story. It's a, it's a good story. It's mostly entertaining. It's a nice little message about how you're beautiful just the way you are and you don't need to change. And it's got like a lot of like really like childish humor. And if you're 44 years old, it seems like childish humor never really gets old. So like goofy jokes, I like that. It was a good show. If you haven't seen it yet, you should get... Jared, you're too sophisticated. This one's not for you. Uh, but for, for guys like me, it's fun. Thomas, you would... Yeah, you'd like it. You'd like it. Um, we also saw Wicked. Um, There was a lot of singing in this. It was mostly just singing over and over again. There was singing by a a green lady, and I guess she's really good. She's done some other famous stuff. I don't understand it too much. But it's a good little story, I guess. There's like, like a message uh, that usually there's more to this story than you would really know about. It's a pretty cool show. I don't know. Anyways, if you've never seen it, check us out. And then uh, we saw Hamilton. This is the one we saw most recently. We saw Hamilton. We didn't see it on Broadway. Uh, we did watch it on Disney on Broadway during the pandemic. But then we saw it live at Gamage. It's very good. This is probably, well, I, this is my favorite one of these kind of things. Uh, you know, it's a redemption story. It's a story about a guy who puts all his hopes and values and the wrong things, and those things leave him empty, and, and, and it's, like, kind of sad, but he's forgiven through sacrificial. It's a pretty cool story. Uh, I, I like it. I like these plays because I like to know that I know what's coming next. I could see, like, we're in act one, and we only got three to go, so I'm almost done, and I wonder, though, if they were to make a play or a musical, if they were to make a play or a musical about your life, what would it be like? If they were to make a play or a musical about your life, what would it be like, and who would be, like, the, who would play you like who would play, <laughs> I got jokes, but I'm not going to. I'm going to try to forget you're sitting over there, Thomas. I, I got jokes. I was thinking Shrek could, i was just kidding, I'm just kidding. Who would play you? Who, who would be in the play? What would it be about? What would be the themes? Would there be singing? Would there be lots of characters or only a few characters? Uh, who would be the co-stars? And I want you to know something. If you were thinking about this, if you were to think about your life as a play or, or your life as a musical, if you were to think about that, I want you to know something, that if you are a Christian, If you're a Christian, if you have believed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, if you have been saved by Jesus, if you are a Christian, that your play would have something in common with the play of every other Christian. If they were to make a play about your life, if they were to make a play or a musical about your life, and you are a Christian, it would have something in common with every other Christian, including the Christian named Paul, who wrote this letter to the Philippians, and the Christian named Mike, who's preaching the sermon, and the Christian named Donnie, who's going to lead you in worship in a little bit, and the Christian named Thomas, who's helping to plant a church where they didn't used to be a church. All of those plays would have four acts, and the titles the, the titles of those four acts would all be the same. It would be this, Act 1, Before Jesus. This is all all the stuff that happened before Jesus intersected your life. Act one is before Jesus. That's all the things that you did before Jesus. And then act two would be, and then Jesus. If you were to write, write a story of your life, act one would be before Jesus. And then act two would say, and then Jesus. Jesus intersected your life. He came into your life. He changed your life. He saved you. He made you from dead to life. That's what would be act two. And then act three would be, now because of Jesus. This is all the stuff that happens from the time that Jesus saves you until the time that Jesus brings you home. That's Act 3, now because of Jesus. And then Act 4 would be your future with Jesus. This is what it would be. And while all of us could get as fancy as we wanted to coming up with a title for our, like like a subtitle for our play, all of our plays, all of them could have the same title, which would simply be this, Jesus changes everything. If you were to make a play about your life, you're going to make a play about your life, you're going to make a, like a musical about your life, and you would have these four acts the before Jesus, and then Jesus, and now because of Jesus, and my future with Jesus. If you were to make a play about your life, all of our titles could be the same Jesus changes everything. Or maybe you'd have a subtitle. Maybe your subtitle would be like mine. Maybe my subtitle would be like Jesus changes everything, subtitle, lost Catholic to found Christian, the story of Mike, right? Maybe, maybe that'd be it, right? Or, or, or maybe. Maybe this would be your subtitle. Maybe it would be like, Jesus Changes Everything, Roll Tide to Go Blue, right? I don't, like, gross. But, but Jesus Changes Everything. Two, there's a line and I crossed it, right? Maybe if you were, maybe if you were Kobe, it would be like this, uh, Jesus Changes Everything, Hell Lost Another One, the story of Kobe Barlucci. he likes to sing that song in here. Maybe, that's, maybe that would be it. I don't, I don't know what your subtitle would be, but the title of your play would simply be Jesus Changes Everything. And in this particular passage of Scripture, we get to encounter Paul's testimony. We've talked in here before that sometimes it's just churchy words that you need to know. And testimony is just one of those churchy words you need to know. It simply means your story. We get to encounter Paul's story here. And his story is going to sound just like your story. There's before Jesus and then Jesus And now because of Jesus, and then my future with Jesus. And so from this story, we're going to pull just five points out of this text. And so let's get into it. The first one is this, rejoicing in Jesus keeps us safe. Rejoicing in Jesus will keep us safe safe. This would be like the synopsis of the play. This isn't even one of the acts. This is like the preamble, the the precursor. This is like before you get into the play, if you wonder like what it's about, well, this is what it's about. Rejoicing in Jesus keeps us safe. Look what it says in Philippians 3, 1 and 2. It, It says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, those uh, uh, the evildoers look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Paul is saying that there is safety in rejoicing the Lord. There is safety in rejoicing the Lord. He, he says rejoice in the Lord. To write these things is of no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. Literally, by rejoicing in the Lord, it will keep you safe from things that are bad for you, things that are not good for you remembering who Jesus is remembering what Jesus did remembering how Jesus saved you remembering what all of that means for you now and for you forever those things will help to keep you safe rejoicing in the lord is safe for you church here's a stern warning there are all sorts of bad things out there trying for your attention There are all sorts of bad things out there trying for your attention, trying to get your attention, trying to get you to trip up, trying to get you to partake in things, all kinds of things. And the worst of those things start out with our own evil desires. We want what we shouldn't have. We go after things that are not good for us. We want things that God doesn't want for us, and we reject the things that God does want for us. And, of course, the big three of those evil desires revolve around, we've talked about this before, money, sex, and power, but there are others. And when we act on those things, when we act on those evil desires, when we act on those evil temptations, it's called sin, and sin leads to death. Church, if you start to forget most of the things that I tell you, I hope that in somewhere, as you're sitting out in the room, that you start to remember that sin always equals death. It always leads to death. There's never an opportunity where sin exists and it doesn't lead to death. It will always lead to death. Desire, the flow goes like this. Desire comes from our hearts, and when we act on that, it's sin, and sin leads to death. Death of trust death of relationships, death of innocence, always death. It's what happens. You cannot dabble in sin and hope to have it not lead to death. It will lead to death. Eventually the sin will find itself out. You'll have an opportunity to repent, but there will be death around it. Sin always leads to that. And rejoicing in what we have in Jesus keeps us safe from acting out on those evil desires. If you wonder what it looks like practically, well, it practically looks like someone thinking, I want money bad enough that I'm willing to neglect the other areas of my life for it. I want money bad enough that I'm willing to neglect my wife and my children, my my responsibilities to my family, or even my my membership in the local church. I want it that bad. But since I have all I need in Jesus, I'm not going to act on all of that. That's what it practically looks like. If I can rejoice in Jesus, I'll know that I have enough in Jesus, and so I don't have to chase money at the detriment of all these other areas of my life. It practically looks like this. I want to. Somebody could be thinking, I want to have sex outside of God's plan for marriage, but I have all that I could ever want in Jesus, and so I'm not going to do that. I can rejoice in what I have in Jesus. Jesus is more than enough to fill me up, and so I don't need that other stuff. And when we rejoice in Jesus, when we remember who he is and what he's done and what that means for us, it keeps us safe from these other temptations that are out there. They simply don't look as good to us. It practically looks like saying, I want to gain power and influence over this world, but I have what I have in Jesus, and it's more than enough, so I'm going to just be content. Church, rejoicing in all Jesus is and all we have in him keeps us safe from the temptation to pursue things that will ultimately harm us. There's so many things out there that will ultimately harm you. And if you spend your time remembering and rejoicing in Jesus, it'll keep you safe. Church, rejoice because you are safe in Jesus. And one of the best ways to do that is to simply remember your story. If you'll just remember your story, if you'll remember what Jesus has done for you, if you're a Christian and you can't remember how to rejoice, just remember what he's already done. And this is what your story is, the first one. Act one of the play is simply this, Jesus renders our past powerless. If you want reason to rejoice this morning, just remember this, Jesus has rendered your past powerless. It has no control over you anymore. It has no power over you anymore. Look what it says in the text here, in verses 3-6, through it says, For we are the circumcision Past. Like my before Jesus story is particularly interesting. He is a religious leader. He is a religious zealot. He is, he is so religious. He is so religious and so into following the law that he is a Pharisee. And so he starts to just list off all these things. He's, he's, he's listing off all these things that, that he's done. He's, he's looking to religion to, to do certain things. And he's done a good job of it. He's like, hey, man, I was literally circumcised on the eighth day, just like I was supposed to be. And I'm I'm from the right group. I'm from the Israelites. I'm from God's chosen people. And not just that, I'm from the best group of the best group. I'm from the Benjamites. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrew. I'm zealous about following the law. He said, as far as following the law, I'm totally righteous. But here's the thing, Paul recognizes when he encounters Jesus that all of his religion, all of his heritage, his radical following of the law, all of it was worthless to save. All of it's worthless to save. It couldn't save him. The law that Paul was following is perfect, and it points out that sin is. It points out all the things that sin is, but it is absolutely powerless to save. The Old Testament law was fantastic at telling you all the reasons why you're not good, but it can't save you at all. The Old Testament law is perfect at pointing out your radical need for a Savior, but it in and of itself cannot save you because we can't follow it. And likewise, whatever it is that you're looking to or have ever looked to, to do that which only Jesus can, is worthless to save also. Church, some people still look to religion to save, but religion can't save. There are people every single Sunday that get up and go to church thinking that somehow walking into a room and sitting down in the chair and singing some songs and like following along somewhat or giving some money or doing some things that somehow that will save you and it just can't. Some people look to relationships. I remember being a teenager desperately seeking approval from people desperately wanting somebody to approve of the things that I was doing. But relationships with people can't save. Some people looked at some other version of the law. They're not following the Old Testament law, but they're following some other law or their own morality. But morality can't save you. We simply can't follow the law or man-made rules or some other version that we've made up of morality well enough to save us. And the good news, the good reason to have joy, the reason to rejoice is that Jesus makes our past powerless. Whatever it is that you were looking for, whatever it is you were looking to, to save you, whatever it is you were looking to, to give power over your life, none of it can save you. And Jesus said, don't even worry about it anymore. It's powerless now. It just doesn't have any power over you. Our past, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it is powerless. It's powerless to save. And check this out. It's also powerless to condemn. It can't condemn you anymore either. It is literally powerless. If your past was just powerless to save, but still had so much power to condemn, well, it wouldn't be powerless at all. And I'm telling you, it's completely powerless to either save or condemn. For Paul, his righteousness under the law was powerless to save, and his unrighteousness in the crimes he perpetrated against Christians was powerless to condemn. Church, rejoice Christian rejoice your past has no power here your past has no power over you that's act one of your story the past is no longer important let's go on to the next point this would be like act two of the play. If you were just following along in a playbill and you're wondering how long until you can get out of here, how long until you can go to the bathroom, how long until you can get snacks or coffee or whatever, and some of you are like, yeah, I got, a, I got a brunch after this. Can you, can you spend? I'm letting you know right where we're at, right? We're, we're in act two of the play. Here it is Jesus finds you where you are, but he doesn't leave you there. That's the the next act. That's what happens. This is your and then Jesus moment. Here's Paul's and then Jesus moment. we got to turn back to Acts and see what's going on. Paul's writing this letter to the church at Philippi. But in case they have forgotten or in case you've forgotten, I'll just remind you of Paul's and then Jesus moment. Acts 9, 1 through 5 says this, But Saul And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. This is Paul before he becomes Paul. This is Paul while he's still Saul. He's out, he's persecuting Christians. He's doing what he thinks is right. He's going after the righteousness under the law. This is how he is living his life. He's a religious zealot, so excited about what it is he believes that he's going out and literally hurting, hunting down Christians. That's what he's doing. And then Jesus... And then Jesus shows up and Jesus intersects his life. This moment that Jesus comes and he confronts Paul and he says, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's, What's going on? Why are you persecuting me? This is the moment that Jesus completely changes Paul's life forever. In this moment, Jesus says, whatever was important in your life before is not important anymore. Jesus is going to blind Paul, and he's going to send him aside for a couple of days, and then he's going to reveal himself, and Paul is going to believe, and Paul is going to become a Christian just like you became a Christian. That's what's going to happen. And now Paul's entire life is going to be different. Paul's entire life, every single thing about him is going to be radically different now. This is the moment that Jesus says, whatever you thought you could, whatever you thought you thought were doing, whatever you thought could save you is no longer capable of making you safe. For Paul, that happens on the road to Damascus. I don't know where that happened for you. For me, it happened on County Road 31 in the 1940, or 1981 Ford Bronco. That's where it happened. That's where my and then Jesus moment happens. And maybe you know where that's at. For some of you, it happened right here in this building. For some of you, it happened when you were a little kid. For some of you, it's happened very recently. We've seen several people get baptized recently, having recently had that and then Jesus moment. I don't know when it happened for you, but every Christian has had a moment where they were confronted by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and Jesus gave them faith to believe. That is your then Jesus moment. And of course, if you've not heard that moment, if you haven't had that moment, I pray that it happens today. I pray that you're sitting in here today and that that moment's happening for you right now. I pray that through the preaching of God's word and the conviction of his spirit, that Jesus is literally changing your heart right now. That before you leave this place, you'd be like, oh my gosh, it happened today. And then Jesus happened to me today. I thought I was just going to church. I thought I was going to go walk into a room, hang out with some people and maybe go get lunch. And then Jesus, I had all these other plans. I was going to do the rest of the week. And then Jesus, because that's literally what Jesus does. And because in that moment he's saved, Paul, in that moment he saves us, you are saved from death to life. Saved from separation to relationship. Saved from enemy of God to child of God. And you can rejoice in knowing that and living like that. Your and then moment is reason to rejoice If you ever are just feeling like low and and far away from God, just go and remember that moment. If I just feel far from God, if I feel like things aren't going well, I will literally just just close my eyes and remember that 1981 Ford Bronco. I can see the dashboard. I can see the cracked dash. I can see all of it. I can hear it. It sounded bad, y'all. I can like feel it. I can smell it. A Ford Bronco has a weird smell to it. They always have them. I, I got a friend that just got one and it smells exactly the same. I'm instantly transforming. If you want to like remember that, right? David says, help me to remember the restore me the joy of my salvation. If you want to go back to the joy of your salvation, remember that moment when you had that and then Jesus moment and rejoice in that. Have you ever just thought, just sat there and thought, I, I didn't. Have, I don't. I don't have a handle on life right now. I've I've made some mistakes, but I am a child of God, so I'll rejoice. Have you ever just sat there and thought, you know, my, my life isn't going at all like I planned? The money going out is more than the money coming in. But I'm a child of God, so I'll rejoice. Or maybe it's you know what? I don't really have the relationship I want, or the health that I want, or the baby that I want, or, or the marriage that I want. I don't have any of this, but I'm a child of God, so I will rejoice. Church, rejoice! You have been saved from death to life. Rejoice in that. Be a people who rejoice. Here's the the next point. This would be like act three. If you're just following along, wondering when you can go to lunch, here it is. Act three, it's happening. Here it is. Jesus gives our presence purpose. After your and then moment, after that happens, now you get into this act of the play that's like and now because of Jesus. And this changes everything. Jesus is going to give your presence purpose. Look what it says here in Philippians 3, 7 through 11. It says, but whatever gain I had, Whatever I gained through all that righteousness, whatever I gained out there persecuting Christians, whatever I gained seeking to satisfy and make people happy in my life, whatever I gained, whatever you gained, going out and trying to to, to live a certain way or do a certain thing or make people happy, whatever it is that you were trying to gain as you were out there chasing all that stuff, he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ indeed. He says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Can you say that? Can you believe that? I count everything else as garbage, as rubbish, as nothing in comparison to knowing Jesus. I count all the rest of it as nothing unimportant, like not even worthy of talking about in comparison to what I have in Jesus Christ. He says all of this stuff. He said, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Imagine this when Paul says, I'm going to just trade in all these things, all these things I was trying to do. I'm going to count it all as lost so that I can be found in Christ. That's all I want. I just want to be found in Christ. Where are you? I am in Christ. That's what Paul would say, and so whatever I was doing before, it's garbage, it's trash, it's crap, it's nothing. It's nothing, because I'm found in Christ, that's what he wants, that's what he's gained. That's his, and now because of Jesus, and now because of Jesus, everything else just doesn't matter anymore. He goes on to say, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul has purpose now. He has purpose now. He has so much purpose that whatever he was doing before is not only unimportant, it's rubbish, it's refuge, it's garbage. Jacob Frasca was telling me in Preaching Collective that it is a stronger word than that. It's a stronger word than that. And I can't say it in here because Jerry told me I'm not allowed to say it in church. But if you wonder what it is, it is the worst of the worst. It is that kind of crap. It's the, the worst version of crap, but that's what Jacob taught me. But, but you can't say it in church, because Jerry said she'd seek me. There she is. She's nodding her head. Don't you say it. She's all the way back there. I bet Jerry could throw a sandal from the back row if she wanted to. Her kids are laughing. They know. I, I ain't going to say it, Jerry. I, I'm not going to say it, Jerry. I know. I, I got it. I feel all that condemnation. No condemnation in Christ Jesus, but you say that word in here, and Jerry's shoe's flying. Here it is. It's refuge. It's It's garbage. He says everything that mattered before so much, it's garbage now. Remember, Paul is so zealous about his beliefs. He's so zealous that he's persecuting others that believe different than him. But now because of Jesus, all that stuff that mattered to him so much is like garbage in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Every single bit of Paul's life has new purpose now because of Jesus. He lives for Jesus, lives to tell others about Jesus, and because he recognizes that all this stuff from before is garbage in comparison to Jesus, he's not tempted to go back to it. He's not tempted to go back to it. It's garbage. Why would you be tempted to go back to garbage? He's tasted something good. He's tasted something pure. He's tasted something holy. He doesn't want that other stuff anymore. His joy and his knowledge of Jesus keeps him safe from going back to that garbage that threatened to harm him. And if you are a Christian, this is where you are now. This is where you're at. If you're a Christian, you are living in Act 3. This is the stuff. This is now with Jesus, now because of Jesus. Sure, before Jesus, you probably thought lots of things were important. You probably thought all kinds of things were important. Maybe money, sex, and power were important to you. Maybe popularity or status or achievement was important to you. Maybe attention or affection or approval from other people was important to you. But now with Jesus, in comparison to Jesus, you can recognize how powerless all of those things are. How much joy is there in knowing that the things that used to matter to you before Jesus just don't even matter anymore. They're inconsequential. And the joy is that it it keeps you safe from going back. Church, I remember that for about 10 years, all I wanted, all I really wanted, what I wanted so bad, what I coveted, all I wanted was the approval of certain people in my life. I remember as as a teenager, from the time I was about 11 years old until the time I accepted Jesus, all I really wanted was one particular man to approve of me. I wanted my stepfather's approval so bad that I would do anything to get it. I would do anything to get it. I remember the day that he looked down on me for not standing up to the school bully. And the next day, I walked up to the school bully, and I got into a fight and got just, just destroyed. But what I really wanted was that man's approval. I wanted his approval so bad that I was willing to do anything for it. I remember that when I got into high school, I thought that what he really liked would be if I was the kind of guy that was a certain kind of guy. And so I tried to be that kind of guy. I remember trying so hard to do that, to try to get his approval. I remember playing sports to try to get his approval. I remember coming out of the stands after a play and looking up to see, is he smiling? Is he happy? Did I do it right? Was he proud of me? Did I get that block? Is that everything he wanted to see? I remember thinking all that stuff and wanting so much for his approval. And I remember that moment that Jesus intersected my life almost instantaneously. It just didn't matter anymore it just didn't matter anymore I just don't care I don't care I don't know if I ever had it I don't know if I'll ever get it and I don't care and there's so much joy in that there was so much burden in trying to, to to please this individual to try to get what I wanted out of him and it just wouldn't ever happen and it's fantastic I can rejoice because now it doesn't matter And with my past out of my way, with with your past out of your way, with Paul's past out of their way, every Christian is free to focus on their real purpose, to join Jesus on his mission, to join in his suffering, to join in his command, to go out into the world, teach what he taught, make disciples and baptize those who believe. Paul's life, my life, your life have purpose now. If you wonder what act three of your play is like, that's where you live on purpose for Jesus. What does it look like? Well, it looks like serving in kids' ministry. It looks like serving in youth ministry. It looks like doggone planning a church. That's exactly what it looks like. It looks like going to Africa. It looks like going all over the place in all these different missions. It looks like volunteering at VBS. It looks like leading your family really well. It looks like dating your wife in the name of Christ for his glory and for your good. That's what it looks like, to live your life right now on purpose for Christ. Every single one of you is a missionary. Every single one of you, that's act three. Now because of Jesus. Your life is different and it matters and it's important to live for Christ. Church, rejoice. You have a purpose of first importance. You can rejoice. I don't know what else you're going to do tomorrow, but you better live for Christ. That's what act three of the whole play is about. Finally, act four. If you're wondering, wonder how quick you can get out of here get a lunch, act four, here it is. Get on open table. Fire it up. Jesus is our hope for the future. That's what's coming. Jesus is our hope for the future. That's what's coming. That's Act Four. That's that's my future with Jesus. You're in Act Three, that's the now. If you're a Christian, you're living now on purpose for Jesus. And Act Four is your future with Jesus. This is what it says in Philippians 3:12 through 14. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind in straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I forget what was behind and I strain forward. I'm living on purpose right now, but I'm straining forward. Christian, you can press towards the goal for the prize that awaits for you, the prize of eternity with Jesus. Somebody's walking around this shirt this morning, a blue shirt. Somebody got a blue shirt on that says something about God wins? Who got that shirt on? I was this serious. This isn't a sermon note. Hey, man, hey, stand up real quick, would you? Would you stand up? I'm sorry. I don't know how to do this. I know it's weird. Pastors will do weird stuff. Don't do this, but I'm a weird guy. It just says, what does it say? It says, I've read, I've read, The last chapter, God wins. That's what's going to happen. You can sit down. That's great. He didn't know I was going to do that, but who can know? Who can know? Where I'll just call somebody out wearing a shirt. What is your shirt? say? I'm just kidding. Anyways, here's the thing. We know what happens. We know what happens, and so we can press on towards that. We know what happens. The prize of no more tears, no more pain, no more sadness, no more struggle, where you will walk with God, and he will be your God, and you will be his people. That's what waits for you. If you're a Christian, that's what waits for you. That's act four, and it's coming. And you can press on towards that. You can deal with anything here for the amount of time that you're going to be here because you know what's coming. It's eternity with him. It's perfection with him. And you don't have to hope that it happens. You have hope that it will happen. You don't have to sit around and be like, man, I sure hope it works out. I sure hope maybe God wins. I sure hope maybe Jesus brings me up there. If you are a Christian, you have hope because it will happen. You can join Jesus on his mission, even though the suffering here on earth, because you know you'll spend eternity with him. You have hope that is eternal. You have hope that was bought and paid for. You have hope that will not let you down, that will not put you to shame. Church, Christian, listen, rejoice because your future is secure. That's act four. That's the whole thing. That's your whole story. Jesus changes everything. That's what he does. Jesus changes everything. Jesus keeps us safe. Jesus renders our past powerless. Jesus saves us from death to life. Jesus gives our presence purpose. Jesus secures our future. That is our good news. For that we can rejoice. And so as Donnie comes up to get ready to lead us in worship, it is because of those things that we will worship this morning. It is because of those things, because of those truths, because of what Jesus did, because of what our story is, because of Jesus, we will worship. We will praise him. We'll sing loud to him. That is your story. That's your story. It's a, it's a four-act play. It sounds like this before Jesus. And act two, then Jesus. And act three, and now because of Jesus. And act four, my future with Jesus. That is your story. But what if you don't know Jesus yet? What if you don't know Jesus? What if you are here today and you say, that sounds like a great story, but I'm not a Christian. What if you're sitting in here and you're saying, I'm still looking at all these other things to save me. And I don't have hope that any of it will save me. Unfortunately, I encountered some people this week who are trying to live in this very, very broken world without hope. They don't have hope. They don't have it. They don't know Jesus. And so they're walking through all of the same horrible things that the rest of us are walking through. But they're trying to do it without Jesus. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you walked in here today and you are still in that time before Jesus, that time when you're looking to anything else to save you, that time when you may not even realize that you need saving. And if that's you, I have good news. You're simply in act one. You're just in act one. And that's okay because all of the rest of us were in act one at some point. Every single Christian was right where you are at some point. Every single Christian was in that spot at some point that before Jesus' time of your life. And if that's you today, what if today is your act Two? What if it's today? What if it's right here in this room? What if it's right here? What if it's right now? What if right now Jesus is calling you? What if right now Jesus is asking you to believe? What if right now, through the preaching of His Word and the conviction of His Holy Spirit, you feel something tugging at you? What if this is your right now? What if this is your moment, your then Jesus moment? What if it's you today? And you're sitting here wondering, well, what would I need to do to make that happen? What would I need to do? Like, how, how would I do that? I'm feeling all of that. What would I do? Well, I would ask you, can you believe? Can you believe the gospel? Can you believe the good news of Jesus? Can you believe that God made the world and it was perfect exactly like it was supposed to be? But then man sinned, and when man sinned, we broke it. We broke the world. And now nothing works right. You see brokenness all around you. You see brokenness all around you. You see young people hurting. You see see marriages exploding. You see homelessness, and you see disease, and you see death. And you think to yourself, surely God didn't make it like this. God made it perfect. But then man sinned, and we broke it. We broke the world. And now we're living in this broken world, and the worst part of the brokenness of this world is not all the bad things that happen. The worst part of the brokenness of this world is that it separates us from a perfect God. That separation that happens because of the brokenness, because of the sin that God can't be around. But God loved you so much that he wouldn't leave you in that broken, separated state. And so he sent Jesus down here on a rescue mission. And while Jesus was here, he lived the perfect life that you and I never could. He died the horrific death that you and I deserved. And he defeated that death three days later so that anyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. And so I would ask you, church, can you believe? Can you believe today? Maybe you need to believe again today so that you can get back to rejoicing. Maybe you need to believe for the first time today so that you can start rejoicing. Can you believe? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for coming to us right where we are, for saving us from death to life. God, if there's anybody in this room today that hasn't believed in you, I ask you to do that which only you can do. I ask you to give them faith to believe. God, save them. To the person that walked into this room today that is still looking to so many other things for safety. Remind them that you are everything they'll ever need. For the person that walked into this room today that just got invited by a friend that's wondering, can this happen for me today? God, change their heart and give them the faith to believe. It's in your name that we pray.